Hi, this is Pastor Craig. Thank you for tuning in for the latest episode of my podcast. I hope you enjoy it. You can contact us at studyhiswordministries at yahoo.com. Thanks again. Good morning. This is Pastor and Bible Teacher Craig Heilman. Welcome to Study His Word, the radio ministry of New Hope Christian Ministries of Mount Gilead, Ohio. We are an independent Bible teaching ministry committed to bringing the clear and accurate teaching of God's Word to you. We are starting our study in Ephesians, and I have some introductory notes. Some of it will duplicate what Lucy was just saying a few moments ago. But uh, the, the book of Ephesians, it is a letter that Paul wrote. He wrote it to the church at Ephesus, but as is typical with Paul's letters, they were also intended for general circulation to be used in other churches. It is a letter that he wrote while he was in prison. It was written approximately 60 A.D., It, along with some of the other letters that he wrote, like Colossians and Philemon and and that, are known as the prison epistles because he wrote them while he was in prison. This particular letter was delivered by a guy by the name of Tychicus, and we see his name three or four times in Scripture. He was obviously a very trusted worker and a uh, very good worker that Paul had a lot of faith and trust in, and he actually delivered the letters. Ephesus was the capital city of the Roman province of Asia. It's generally that area that we know today as Turkey. Ephesus was a huge city. They estimate the population at the time that Paul wrote this letter during his ministry that the population was about 300,000. So it was a very large city. It was a trade center. It was a major trade center. Because it was a major trade center, you had a lot of people that would come and go, come and go. And so when people come and go, they many times bring their cultural influences or are influenced by the culture. It was very well known as a very pagan city. It was essentially the center for pagan worship. The goddess Diana, which is actually Roman, the equivalent would be the Greek goddess Artemis. They had this huge temple there for worshiping her, and that temple there is as as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. I don't know, you don't hear much about that anymore, but I know when I was a kid, we always had the little Viewmaster thing that you click and had the seven wonders of the ancient world, and you know, Hanging Gardens of Babylon, and well, this was one of them. Paul's letter is six chapters. The first three chapters are primarily doctrine, where Paul lays out essential Christian doctrine. The last three chapters are basically applying that doctrine, how to live as a Christian, you know, the important parts of living a Christian life. It's interesting because we can, when we read those early chapters that are so heavy in doctrine, I think sometimes in the church today, we have a tendency to just kind of read through it and rush through it, and we, I think, sometimes miss some of the essential points of the doctrine that Paul's laying out. We need to fully understand our relationship with God, what God has done for us, what God can do for us. Essentially, who we are in Christ is what it boils down to. And that's what Paul's doctrinal emphasis is, is who we are in Christ. Second three chapters are about Christian living. And we will we will tackle Ephesians chapter 5, talking about husbands and wives. And we'll look at it from a, from a biblical standpoint. Some of those verses are very much misunderstood. 
Some of them are often misused and abused. And hopefully when we look at them, we can look at them strictly from a biblical standpoint and kind of tear away some of the human influences of some of those verses that people get hung up on. Ephesians, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. And that's the first six verses there. Paul starts out this letter very typically of how Paul normally starts out his letters. You know, we often, when we write a letter, we usually address the person. You know, dear so-and-so, or we might just say mom. And then we sign it at the bottom. Back in the time that they lived, this was very typical that the letter would start out and it would be an introduction of who's writing the letter. And that's why Paul starts out his letters, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And Paul usually starts out with either stating the fact that he is an apostle or stating the fact that he is a slave or bondservant of Jesus Christ. In this particular one, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. That word apostle is very important for a number of reasons. First of all, it's setting forth his credentials as far as who he is and his authority for what he's going to write in the letter. And here again, this word sometimes gets misused today. The word itself, apostle, just simply means messenger, one who is sent. In this context of the early Christian church, that word apostle had a very specific meaning. We refer to the 12 disciples as the 12 apostles. We also read in Scripture where there were at different times dozens, if not hundreds, of disciples of Christ. Those were people who were studying and learning under him, but there were only the 12 apostles. They were a special group of individuals. The early church had a, a specific understanding of what an apostle was. And specifically, in order to be an apostle, you must have, A, seen Christ in person. B, you must have been chosen by Christ and instructed by Christ. C, you had the universal authority to teach, preach, and establish churches. And D, you had the power to perform miracles that validated your authority. And this was the early church's understanding of what an apostle was. And if you think back to the 12, you think back to Paul, they fit the criteria. We know that Paul was, was approached on the Damascus Road. He had a physical contact with Christ. Even after Christ's resurrection, Paul still had that contact with Christ. But anyway, those were the requirements of a true apostle. The interesting thing is that we also read in Scripture where there's a, it's in Matthew 10, Christ gathers his 12 apostles together and he's giving them instructions. He's going to send them out into the Jewish cities and, he, and it even says in there that he gave them the power to perform miracles in their ministry. And that was a key part of validating 
the authority that they'd been given. We have plenty of biblical record of the miracles that the apostles themselves performed. And what we don't have is we don't have any kind of a biblical record of non-apostles performing on a regular basis the same kind of miracles. So there again, that just leads to that there was a specific group of people and they had a specific purpose, functions, and abilities. And those were the apostles. And so Paul starts out, an apostle states his credentials. Another reason Paul did that is because of Paul's background where he was a Jewish Pharisee and we know early in his life he was out to persecute the Christian church. Once he was converted he met with a lot of opposition because people knew Paul as Saul the church persecutor. Quite often, in his, especially in his early ministry, there was a lot of people that were questioned whether you know, Paul was really who he said he was and what his real motives were. So there again, it just kind of further establishes his credentials. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And that's something that's easy to read over that, but we have to understand that Paul didn't choose to be a, an apostle. Paul didn't decide to be an apostle. Paul didn't one day say, you know, I think I want to be like a Christian and I want to be an apostle. It was strictly by the will of God. And the thing that we should remind ourselves is that we are Christians today by the will of God. We don't wake up one morning and say, you know, I think, I, I think I'm going to be a Christian now. I think that's what I want to do. It's always by the will of God. He says, uh, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. That word saints simply means a believer. I know that there are churches that have a different meaning and a different class of believers that are saints, and not everybody's a saint. But in the true sense of the word, as it is in the Bible, we are saints. As believers, we are saints. And that's what that word simply means. To the believers who are in Ephesus and faithful in Jesus Christ. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God. Our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a very, very common greeting that Paul puts in his letters right after the introduction of himself. If you hold your place there and just turn backwards to the book previous, turn to Galatians chapter 1. Verse 3, Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And actually he uses that in Romans. He uses it in Colossians. So that was part of his opening and introduction. But he says it for a reason. Because where does grace come from? Grace comes from God. Where does peace come from? It comes from God. So here Paul is just stating some real doctrinal truth. That your grace and your peace comes from God. And he's basically saying, and may you have that grace and peace. When he says that here, he says grace and peace to you. But he's reminding them where it comes from. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, please. Chapter 1, verse 3. We see this repeated. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. When we think of that word blessed, and it says in there, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord, we tend to think of why would he be saying, bless God? How do we bless God? But the word that he uses in Greek is the word eulogy. And eulogy means praise. 
So actually, if we wanted to actually get the real flavor of that, he's saying, praise God the Father and Jesus Christ. In other words, praise to God. And that's what he's meaning there when he says, blessed be God and Father. Praise to God. May God receive praise. So it's a, it's a, it's a praise to God. And so he's reminding them here, our praise goes to God the Father. He says, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Heavenly places is where Christ is. It says, who's given us every spiritual blessing. And that's very important because we need to understand that when we become a believer, when we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit and we receive every spiritual blessing. Now, there are places that teach that, you know, you, you get to a point where you get a second blessing. And I don't know, many, some of you may have been in churches before where, you've, where they teach about the second blessing and teach about receiving more from the Holy Spirit. But scripturally, Paul tells us that we receive all spiritual blessings, every spiritual blessing. So what kind of spiritual blessings are these that Paul's talking about? One of the spiritual blessings that we receive through Christ is immortality. We will, we will exist eternally with Him. So we receive immortality through Christ. Another spiritual blessing that we get is that we will enter the kingdom of heaven. We will be in the presence of God for all of eternity. Um, another example is we get to receive the identity of sonship. We know that Christ is referred to as the Son of God, but we see in Scripture that we also are called sons of God as believers. So those are just some of the, you know, some of those spiritual blessings that we receive. Turn to Romans 8.28, please. Okay, Romans 8.28 is a verse I'm sure you're all very familiar with. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. This is all part of that every spiritual blessing that we receive. Paul's saying there in Romans that we know that we, those of us who love God and are called according to His purpose, He works all those things for good. Now, that means we always see what the good is, but you can have the confidence knowing that whatever's going on, God is working it all together for our good. Colossians 2.10 and actually, well, actually, it's like the middle of a sentence, so I'll start at 9, but in Colossians 2, 9 and 10, for, for in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's, for in Him, that's Christ, for in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. Again, it's that, you know, when Paul says you receive every spiritual blessing, and he tells us in Colossians that we are complete in Him. We don't have to wait to receive any more. We don't have to get a second blessing. We don't have to receive more. We are complete already. We are complete in Christ. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. What you receive from the Holy Spirit, I receive from the Holy Spirit. What I receive from the Holy Spirit, Sparky receives from the Holy Spirit. What Sparky receives from the Holy Spirit, Kirsten and Lucy receive from the Holy Spirit. We're complete. It's all there. It's just up to us to use it. One last one, Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 
as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. It's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. What He's given to Sparky, He's given to me. What He's given to me, He's given to you. Christ makes us complete. All spiritual blessings, all spiritual benefits are there for us. All right, back to Ephesians. He said in there, with every spiritual blessing, in the heavenly places in Christ. You see that in the heavenly places again in verse 20, which he says, in which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. You see that again in chapter 2 in verse 6. Paul says, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's talking about our position, our position with Christ. Is that position that we have with Christ. And it's relating to that all the spiritual blessings that we receive through Christ from the heavenly places. We are essentially partakers with Christ is what Paul's saying here. Verse 4, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. I, I mentioned a little while ago that down the road, we'll tackle some very specific issues of doctrine relating to election and predestination and can anybody be saved or can only just the elect be saved and who are the elect and did I choose God or did God choose me and we'll get into that. But Paul touches on that right here and he makes it very clear. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. This is what is known as election. That God chose us before the foundations of the world. If you stop and think about it, I mean, it really is amazing to think about it. That before the earth was even created, God chose me and you and you to be believers. And the, and the, and the world hadn't even been created yet. But so it says. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. God is speaking here. He says, for you are, uh, actually it's Moses speaking. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. I bring this up for two reasons. One is when you talk about election and you talk about God choosing people, it's been in recent centuries that people have had a problem with well, God would only choose some people for salvation and not all. There was never really a problem in the church with that concept in the last few hundred years. And I mention that because I've never heard anybody have a problem with God in the Old Testament times choosing the nation of Israel to be a special people and excluding others for His program that He had for them. We don't have a problem with that. But yet people have a problem with, well, that wouldn't be fair if God only chose some people for salvation. But what it shows is that God is consistent in that for His purposes, whatever His purposes may be, God decides at different times to choose people for His purposes. He chose the nation of Israel to be a special people. Paul is telling us here that we, the saved, we were chosen before the foundation of earth. Why? For the purposes of, of God's will. Isaiah chapter 45. 
Verse 4, For Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel my elect, I have even called you by your name, I have named you, though you have not known me. There again, he talks about Israel, his elect, the people that he's chosen, and he reminds them that I chose you before you even knew me. He says, even though you knew not my name. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. The point Christ was making is that you didn't choose me. No one can come to me unless the Father sends him, sends that person, sends you to me. Acts chapter 13, verse 48. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Those that had been chosen for salvation believed. As many as had been appointed. There again, it's showing in Scripture where the elect, those that are chosen, and God chooses us first. In the early church, first four centuries, church fathers were very clear in their writings about election and choosing. John Chrysostom, and it may be a name you may be familiar with, I don't know, but Chrysostom, but he, he wrote, Christ chose us to have faith in Him before we even came into being. It's just a simple explanation of the process. Christ chose us to have faith in Him before we even came into being. He had already chosen us. The purpose is the second half of verse 4. It talks about us being chosen. It says that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. That right there is the whole purpose of God's choosing us is so that because we are not worthy, because we are unrighteous, He has chosen us to be holy and blameless, even though we're not. And what that does is that shows us God's purpose is for us to be holy. And the result of God choosing us to be holy is that we are blameless in His eyes, even though we know we start out as unrighteous individuals. This, if you really want to get into doctrine, this is the doctrine of imputation. This is where we are not righteous and we can't be, but Christ imputes or gives us His righteousness. This is the basic doctrine of imputation. Christ making us righteous when we're not. Um, verse 5, Having predestined us to adoptions as Son by Christ Jesus to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. He's reinforcing that, having predestined, having chosen us before He even created us, that this is my plan for these people. To be adopted as sons, there's that word sons in there, that uh, we, that puts us fellow partakers with Christ, to be sons of God, that we're adopted by Christ. And, and the key part of this phrase here is according to the good pleasures of His will. It's what God chooses to do Himself for His purposes. You know, people, I just don't know what my purpose in life is. I just don't understand what my, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in life. And I'm talking about Christians and non-Christians. And it's so basic. It's so basic. Our entire purpose of our existence is to bring glory to God for His good pleasure. That's the whole purpose of our existence. And we want to make it so difficult. But that's, that's the whole purpose that we're here is for His good pleasure. 
John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And all he's saying is, those that received him and believed, they, they received the right to become children of God. And that uh, we weren't born out of blood or flesh, but we were born of God. Christ, you know, had told people that you must be born again, must be born of God, born of the Spirit. And it's that whole idea that we have the right to become children of God. And just a little reminder on that, it's common to hear people say, well, we're all children of God. Scripture's very clear. We're not all children of God. It's those that believe, believers who are, have the right to be called children of God. And there's other scripture where it talks about, you know, you're either a child of God or a child of Satan, one or the other. So it's very meaningful, really, and specific who are children of God. And he gives us that right to have that. Last thing, verse 6 here. And let's see, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. And there again, the purpose, it's to bring glory to Him. He doesn't have to extend His grace to us. He doesn't have to extend His grace to anybody. But by extending His grace, it brings glory to Him, according to whatever His will and His purposes are. And he says, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And that in, accepted in the beloved is Christ. Made us accepted in Christ. Where he says here, uh, by which he made us accepted in the beloved, in, in, in the praise of his glory. We see that repeated in verse 12 here, Ephesians 1. Says in verse 12 that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. We see it in verse 14. Uh, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption? To the praise of his glory. And that again kind of gets back to the whole purpose of why we're here. We're here to bring glory to God, to bring him praises. Matthew 3, verse 17 says, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We know that that was at the time when Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist. And that voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That is where we see in Paul here makes that reference to Christ calling him the beloved. Those were the words of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Therefore we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness in the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ might be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. All Paul is saying here is, that's my prayer, that's my desire that you would be worthy of your calling, that you would fulfill your purpose to bring glory and praise to Christ. Thank you for listening to Study His Word radio broadcast. Study His Word radio broadcasts are brought to you by New Hope Christian Ministries of Mount Gilead, Ohio. For information regarding our Sunday evening Bible studies and other ministries, please visit our website at newhopemg.org. Please join us next week at this same time on this radio station for another broadcast.
Thanks again for listening. Please make sure that you hit the subscribe button so you will not miss a single episode of our podcast. Have a great day.